Hi. Hello again. I'm Julian. And I am Tom. We are Team Binge. We are here to talk about 1899, and we are on episode three, which is called The Fog. Disclaimer up front, if you took a break between the last pod and this one, we have watched through four, so there is a chance that we will spoil four, but Tom and I are professionals, so... (laughs) We probably won't disappoint most of you, but we're also married, so we've been disappointing people for a long, long time. And I want to clarify, we are married to one another, and that's why we record this remotely away from each other, because otherwise we would fight. All right. A lot of that was a lie, but Tom, we're back in it with The Fog. Yeah, we're not professionals. (laughs) We are not. No, we don't. We don't see a dime from this. It all goes to charity, which is good, because in this holiday season, you should give to charity. Anyways, Mm -hmm. before we go into our charity spiel, I'd like to ask you the question, Tom. This Mm -hmm. episode is all about the fog. Have you, in your life, ever experienced fog? Yes. Oh, Wonderful. Yes. Go on. And I was a kid. I don't think I've ever had to drive through it, but I remember as a kid in my youth, I used to run around the country playing soccer. Um, and they, we had a tournament in the beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. And we were going from, I think, Santa Fe to Albuquerque. And it was this massive fog that rolled through. And we literally had to pull over to the side of the road and wait for like half an hour for it to blow over because you couldn't see 10 feet in front of you. Bananas. Yep. yep. It is... Um... Very disorienting, uh, the fog, and also, I believe, a Stephen King novel. So Mm. thank you for sharing your experiences about the fog. Um, I've never seen the show, but I'm told that the fog on Netflix ends with a lot of heart, and it's got a great ending. So, This is a movie or a show? uh, I think it's a show. Yeah, maybe it's, it's a both. movie. I think I they've been know. they've done both. Yeah, I don't know. I just know that they all off themselves at the end and uh, <laughs> spoil it. It. Uh, it uh, oh, I said we weren't going to spoil four. I didn't say we weren't going to spoil Stephen <laughs> King stuff. Sorry, my bad. All right, we open up this episode as we have with the previous two, where a character wakes up and they wake mm-hmm. up to Mara's voice saying, "Wake up," which. <laughs> Tom, we have a typical start to our podcast. I'm wondering if we should start just screaming wake up into the <laughs> mic to start every episode from here on. Let's put I mean, it to a vote. <laughs> we generally record these episodes like later in the evening, so wake up doesn't seem quite appropriate, but you know what? I'm in. You mean because we all, all right. have small children and we're going to wake up the house <laughs> if we start screaming? Accurate. This episode is about <laughs> Ling Yi, which I don't think we learn her name until... Like kind of mid episode, yeah, mid episode. Yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. going to refer to her as Ling Yi because I would get in trouble if I referred to her by anything other than her name. But she <laughs> is a uh, Cantonese lady who is pretending to be Japanese. That's what we find mm-hmm. out. And our yep. introduction to this character is in that breakfast in the first episode mm-hmm. where they're speaking with each other. Um, and you're the one that watched it not dubbed. I'm assuming they're speaking Cantonese, 
And that's when Mrs. Wilson chides them. And so they're supposed to be speaking Japanese. Is that is that correct? Yeah, which, well, I think she's not supposed to be speaking at all. And I think I even like, like the way they were kind of sitting at the table and, and the way I think the subtitles did it where it said Cantonese. I wonder if that would have been kind of a tell like, okay, well, why is this geisha saying Cantonese? Again, I don't know um, much about like the history of, of geishas and all that kind of stuff. But I thought that was kind of interesting. I also thought it was funny too, because the way they framed this scene of her in her room you see the big kimono like on the wall that's right um, and you see the big back of it and it's got of course what does it have the big old pyramid and this is where me and my wife joked like we need to do a drinking game to the show where oh, every time man. you see a pyramid you got to take a shot oh that would be <laughs> rough anytime they look at the carpet you'd be hammered there's so many pyramids i'll do the beetle i won't do the i won't do the pyramid but Actually, you know what? I'm back at. Let's do the pyramid. Let's get hammered, you know? <laughs> so we go from there and we find out that they are uh, a mother and daughter, which I don't think mm-hmm. is revealed to us until this episode. Mm-hmm. And we discover that Mrs. Wilson, and forgive me, I know this is a kid's podcast, but I believe she's a pimp. But then I was informed that her proper term is a madam, I believe, mm. is okay. how that is. I don't think you're allowed to say pimp anymore, but I don't know. Write us at Team Binge Podcast. Kids, write us at Team Binge Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know whether or not we're still allowed to say pimp. Yeah, we we do this for the kids in the first place. Um, But I've been off the streets for quite a few years, so I don't don't know what they're calling it these days. Right. They just referred to you. I I think they just called you Gator, right? That was your (laughs) nickname? Gator? Gator needs his money. Oh no. All right. And the mother is talking with Ling Yi and she Mm -hmm. is very adamant that it was a mistake to get on this ship. And what I liked about this episode is, you know, the last episode was, was Captain Larson. And I think like what we got out of his episode from like his backstory is married kids tragically met an end in a house fire Mm-hmm. This one, I think, gave us like a stronger backstory. And they did it in a way where, like, the mom's saying it was a mistake to get on this ship, but I don't think we really quite realize, like, how they got there or, mm-hmm. like, why it's such a mistake. And this, this episode, like, slowly, like, pulls the thread and reveals more. And I just want the people from the Rings of Power to watch the show to see <laughs> what good storytelling is and writing is. That is probably a mean thing to say, but that's how I feel. No, it's like, that's the thing. I think it's a fair assessment of if you don't love like all the the kind of shenanigans going on or the like just bonkers mystery that we've gotten so far through these first handful of episodes, like you would at least stay around for the storytelling because it is done very, very well. And the character development is, is there. And I think a lot of it is earned. Um, some of these stories, I think, kind of rehash themselves as we kind of get through it, which I also think is kind of interesting. But I, I'm wondering if maybe they should play a little bit. I, I don't know. I don't want to go too far into this because I have kind of theories maybe it's a, as we get to the end of episode four. But I'm with you, man. It was an interesting dynamic. These two, we didn't really know what their relationship was. So now to learn that they're their mother and daughter, I thought was kind of kind of cool. And it's all like, I mean, people might get mad at this, but like, the characters are like complex. There's depth to them. There's a lot of stuff going on. Like even the characters you don't like, like Angel in the beginning is painted as kind of like, 
uh, I don't know, like an evil, an mm-hmm. evil dude. But you, I mean, you get more of him, you get more of Ramiro, and then in this episode, you get more of Ling Yi. Um, and so, I don't know. I just find it fascinating how much they're unraveling as we go through this, and they do it in such an interesting way. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, uh, we find out that uh, Ada is dead, which I guess we knew, but um, mm-hmm. they are doing the they get the doctor that refused to help Crester's sister in the first episode <laughs> to do kind of an autopsy uh and he's like uh there's no sight this guy just wants to get to his omelet he's like listen i had <laughs> yeah. the chef custom make me an omelet it's got turkey it's got cheese it's got jalapeno <laughs> like there's no signs of murder on this body did i mention i had to make it with only egg whites because egg whites are super good and the yolk's full of cholesterol, but we'll find out in 100 years that, you know, there are good fats. Anyways, there's no signs of murder, and natural selection just took place, and I think he then shoots his rubber glove across the room, and it goes through a basketball hoop into the trash can, and he's like, field goal or something. I don't know. This guy is very unlikable. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I mean... We talk about like good storytelling and this kind of stuff. Like, I don't, I get that this character is really just a means to like show how terrible like society was to like women in this instance, where like Mara says something like very astute. And of course, he just shoots her down for being a woman and like just has no time for this, you know, young woman who's, who's passed and kid passed. Um, it, it was just almost too evil ish. And I, it's not to say that people out there, you know, in the world don't exist that are like this, because sadly, it's probably true. Um, but it would have been nice if there was a little bit more nuance to this character as opposed to him just being, you know, epitome of evil. I disagree. I disagree. In his episode, when Mara goes, wake up, and he pops too, <laughs> and he's got that mustache, and it's all these flashbacks about him trying to murder Sonic and Tails, and he's just going to be so, like, upset and he's going to be building all these robots and stuff. You're going to eat those words, Tom. Okay, You're that's fair. Eat them. If he's Doctor Robotic, I'll eat all those words. Yes, you will. The fog has creeped in, and once again, if you want to make something creepy, like bring in some fog, pop mm-hmm. some red flares, film everything like that. These guys just know what they're doing. But the fog mm-hmm. causes the ship to have to reduce speed. And at this point, they are trying to, once again, tow the Prometheus back to England. They figure out they can't navigate. And so the decision is, hey, we're just going to hold until the fog clears. Mm -hmm. And this is where we get the crew start to doubt our Captain Handsome and (laughs) his abilities. And so we start to see kind of the mutiny uh, and what's going to unfold start Mm -hmm. to develop here. But... They then have a conversation, I think, between the captain and Mara about Mm -hmm. he talks about that ribbon that he picked up when they visited the Prometheus and that he's like, this ribbon belonged to Nina. I found it on the Prometheus, but they died two years ago. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, okay, interesting. And then I think he also talks about having the vision where he felt like he was with his family, like they Mm -hmm. were physically there. And Mara, being a doctor and a brain doctor, is like, listen, that could just be how the mind is interpreting brain impulses. And, you know, us in 2022, 
Like we hear that stuff, we're just like, yeah, we know the brain brain sends out impulses. I bet in eighteen ninety nine that sounded like some pretty <laughs> crazy stuff that she yeah. was saying. That's very true. I think at one point even too, like um, the captain, he like says like I'm not crazy. Like he he had to like question his sanity or felt his sanity was kind of being questioned. And we kind of got the same thing from Mara in the first episode of kind of questioning her sanity. So I think this might be second time each of these characters have had to explain that they are they are sane. Right. He's like, I'm not crazy. Would a crazy person have this hatch under his bed? And he like <laughs> yanks his bed. And all I wanted from this show was the floor to be normal. And Mara to be like, uh, there's no hatch there. And him to be like, no, it was just here. I just climbed through it. But to this show's credit, because I'm not a show writer and I would do a terrible job at it. Uh, he shows her the hatch, and the hatch very conveniently has what painted on it, Tom? Drink. It's got a pyramid. Yeah, drink. Drink. <laughs> it. And this pyramid almost looks like the P.O.D. logo. I don't know if anyone's familiar. <laughs> wow, Dika. <deep> <laughs> <With> the... <laughs> that's a reference someone will get. Um, but that's the that like Trinity-type uh, pyramid. Whatever. Something about this pyramid painted on the floor made me think of P.O.D. and... Uh, Do you I think feel so a, alive for the yeah, very first feel time? So, oh, what a great song. And then uh, something about Here Comes the Boom. Maybe that's what's going to happen. Here Comes the Boom. Um, Ready or not. That's something. And I'm not afraid to admit it, uh, Tom, but today I listened to some Creed uh, out of nowhere. Um, so uh, I've just got P.O.D. and Creed on the brain, I think is what it comes down to. Anyways, so he's explaining like, I think this is where he goes into, like, the ship went into port. They did modifications on it. This hatch mm-hmm. isn't supposed to be here. Uh, and then he's like, listen, we need to go back to the Prometheus because we need the logbook. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, okay, got it. Logbook, like, uh, seems important. Do we, you know, I don't know. This felt like, hey, we need a reason to go back. We're going to go back for the logbook. Okay, mm-hmm. cool, fine. So when we get a little bit of Mara too, where she kind of again explains that she's lost everything and she can't go back. It's like, again, we don't know exactly what she lost and what her backstory is, because even though the first episode is kind of her perspective, if you will, we don't get those same flashbacks as we do for the other characters we've gotten thus far. I mean, it would have been great storytelling and we would have wrapped this whole show up right here. If she'd been like, I've lost everything. I lost my logbook. And he's like, well, we're going back to the Prometheus to get a logbook so we could solve everyone's problems. But that's not what happens. Once again, I don't write for television. We go down to the lower class. We'll just say the lower Mm -hmm. class suites. Is that okay? Can we say lower class (laughs) suites? Steerage. Steerage. Okay. I I prefer suites. It makes me feel. (laughs) um, And that's spelled S-U-I-T-E-S. Man, I'm glad. I think I pulled that off. Um, and the the Danish passengers are very concerned about Ada because at this point they do not know that she has met her demise, mm-hmm. and so you see some like tension starting to rise below decks. Speaking of tension rising from below decks, <laughs> Mrs. Wilson, wow, uh, examines. Uh, Ling Yi, and it's, you know, I don't know. I guess uh, this is not something I'm real familiar with, so I don't know how to speak to it. Um, But it doesn't look comfortable, and it doesn't look fun, and it is uh, very unfortunate. 
But we find out Mrs. Wilson discovers that Ling Yi lied about being an escort previously. Mm-hmm. And so... Which I thought was kind of interesting, like the idea that Mrs. Wilson like doesn't know who like she's really bringing aboard. She just assumes it's like one of her, I don't know, like harem of other escorts that she oversees or whatever, because she doesn't really know who Ying Li is, right? She just right. assumes she's one of her crew, if you will. And that's what I was getting about earlier, like how this unravels, because every time there's like an interaction, you're like, wait, like, okay, so she doesn't know them, like... From the first episode when she talks so like sternly to them, you have no idea what's going on. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe the audience, maybe you and I are just so ignorant of these things. <laughs> you know, having not spent a lot of time on 1800s liners soliciting <laughs> uh, escorts. Um, maybe there's part of our audience was knew exactly what was happening. I don't know. But I do think it's interesting how this... Like, uh, how they are unraveling this story and what mm-hmm. you get to at the end. And... I should mention, and this is my mistake because I'm bad at my job as a full-time <laughs> podcaster, is the opening of Ling Yi's episode is her in that box underwater, like mm, sinking, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And that significance comes into play as the story unravels and we mm. get like what actually happened. But that's the, like, she's like having that like panic dream envisioning what happened to uh mm-hmm. the person as as we get to that but for sure yeah i think they did once again in this episode like how they unraveled this i really enjoyed it kept me guessing i didn't know what was going on <laughs> uh, where's the logbook i said to myself and i shook <laughs> all my children i said where's the logbook <laughs> did you order the code red <laughs> did you order the code red <laughs> my kid was like is that a video game i was like no anyways <laughs> another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The crew's asking about like the decisions and Captain and Mara leave for the uh, Prometheus. Mm-hmm. I have to ask this question too, because I think we get um, the not the first mate, but one of the other kind of main crew guys. This this guy, I think his name is Franz, right? Like kind of this big, beefy, yep, muscular with the, dude with the with the beard. Yeah, this dude is constantly bleeding. Like, what is going on with that? Like, he's got scratches on his face. He seems to have kind of like a birthmark on one, but he has like a scratch on one side, a scratch on another. He like never cleans it up. It's always seemingly a fresh wound. Like. There's this gotta be something to this, right? Li- yeah, listen. I mean, I can relate. I'm a, I've got a lot of fronds in me, uh, as everyone <laughs> says. My mother always says, I got a lot of fronds in me. I'm always in a scrap, Tom. I'm never not scrapping with someone, you know, throwing uh throwing blows, you know, <laughs> throwing the old fists, twisting the old fists as we as we call it, you know, dancing, dancing around the ring, you know, twirling the fists. 
I think he's just, and I think this comes from when they like arrested Jerome. Like I think he's constantly getting into fights, <laughs> and so that's why he's always bleeding. Um, me, I'm not always bleeding because I'm always winning. You know, I'm always scrapping. <laughs> I'm always winning. Um, I'm dancing. I'm tiptoeing. Um, I'm punching. I don't know. I've run out of phrases, but we don't. I just you know. think it's interesting because okay, so like I can suspend that a little bit. Okay, the guy's like the ship's bouncer or something. I don't <laughs> the know. Ship's bouncer. <laughs> <laughs> the local tough. He's the yeah. ship's tough. Yes, that's but right. But it's just weird. Like, cause it, okay, he gets in a scrap. You figure he's gonna go back to his quarters. He's gonna throw some water and he's gonna clean his wounds. But nope. like, they are fresh, and I don't know if it's like if we're supposed to notice it. If it's just kind of like bad makeup, but I don't think it's bad makeup. No, like, it's, I think it's, it's intentional. It's, yeah, it's intentional, and I'm. I don't know. Like we we've talked about like the scars on various characters, and I'm wondering if that's got something to do with this. Like, there's other people that are on this ship that have like wounds from their past, but this guy is openly wearing his scars like on his face, like they're so fresh. I just I'm wondering if there's something to that. Listen, Bear gets loose on ship. The first thing you're like, "Where's Franz? <laughs> Get that guy out there!" Like Franz is their scrapper, man. I just. I, I did notice that, but I think I think what's throwing you off a little bit is there is a combination of he's got like some scars and a birthmark, and then the blood like adds to mm-hmm. it constantly seeming like he has something um, on his face, and mm-hmm. it would be super embarrassing if you were like, "Hey, um, you have if you let me <laughs> you right oh, on you. let me get it," and then you lick your thumb and you're like trying to, <laughs> and then he punches you in the face. And you're, and he's like, you've got something on your face now. And yeah, then you're both bleeding. Anyways, I ain't got time to bleed. The first mate, after they leave this little like boat hatch thing, they drop the boat down, the, the crew leaves. The first mate, who's up to, up to all sorts of sneaky, sneaky stuff, goes down and he types some code into the ship and then some whirling occurs, and I did not know what was happening here, but I accept it. Like, I know these guys, once again, <laughs> I've seen Dark, I'm accepting it, but, like, something, the first mate is in on it, essentially. Like, he knows what's happening here, right? Yeah, he's a Transformer. There's more to him than meets the eye, for sure. Oh, man. Um, Tom, I d- <laughs> incredible. Incredible. I, love I do have to say, though, I got so drunk during this scene. So many triangles. So many triangles. <laughs> so many triangles. At first, I'm like, oh, okay, this guy's just calling the elevator. And it's a very, like, secret code you have to do. Up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right to sure. call the elevator. Sure. And then I'm like, I don't know, maybe is this the origin story of the Contra code? Like, mm. I mean, there's so many questions going on here. Mm-hmm. But I guess the one question I have is, we don't know what this does. Like, I don't think throughout the episode we find out what putting in this sequence does is he like activating the ship's like you know weird steampunky kind of stuff because he gets it via telegram right like that's this was sent to him as a bunch of triangles and he's entering in this code that's right you are correct someone sent him this via a telegraph machine and he put in those exact things um in order to make something happen what that is i don't know and I will jump ahead a little bit, but we see someone interact with this machine as well, which we'll go mm-hmm. into at that time. So I don't know. I don't know, but I love every moment of it. And 
we go from here to the boy takes the moon rock pyramid. He climbs under the bed. <laughs> At this point, I assume there's probably a hatch under that bed as well. Mara and, Ka- and the captain talk about things that must not have been important because I didn't write any notes about what that conversation was about. <laughs> uh, but then we start to get the details of Ling Yi's background. And we mm-hmm. find out that the woman with her, who is her mother, was also an escort, and they killed someone. They put that person in a box, tossed it in the water, mm-hmm. and that is why they have taken that person's spot on the boat. And we find out later that that person was the actual escort that mm-hmm. Mrs. Wilson was supposed to be bringing along. Mm-hmm. And Yingling is playing the part in order to, I'm assuming, leave you know, their situation. This is their escape. This was mm-hmm. their way out. Um, but I like the way they kind of shot this too, where it's like, this wasn't anything like malicious. She was just trying to seemingly give, I think Ying Lee even says, she's trying to give um, like more or less like sleeping tea or something like that to the girl that she said she's seen her mother do to, you know, her clients and stuff. So sure. she's just trying to kind of drug the girl, uh, not trying to kill her. And like, that's it's just so much more so much more power to like her character and her backstory and where she is right now in her her life and how she got stuck on this boat it was just very traumatic and and very well told yeah but i also find that it's like from her dream of like picturing waking up in the box mm-hmm. and like drowning like her regret is did she like wake up after we tossed her over the boat exactly. like she's going through that type of guilt and Tom and I obviously with everything that's happening in the world Tom and I are not condoning putting someone in a box and dumping them (laughs) in the ocean we've always had a strong stance against putting people in boxes and throwing them in the ocean Mm -hmm. Um, you bury them (laughs) (laughs) don't bury people either (laughs) This oh. is gonna come back. We can't win for poli- our politics anymore. Not that we uh, Dom, no one would vote for us. Um, but I'd vote for you after that comment. That was incredible. Uh, Olek, sweet, sweet Olek, finds uh, Lingyi screaming and comforts her. So it's uh, we're, I'm interested in finding out where that relationship develops and what happens mm-hmm. there. The crew finally goes down and tells Ada's family what happened and they take Tove up to Ada's body because I think at first it's like, don't tell the Danes, Mm -hmm. the Danish folks down below because it's all going to go bad. Um, We cut from that moment to a very normal interaction between Angel and Kressler (laughs) where some stuff happens between a gate and I don't know. Is there a proper <laughs> phrase for this, Tom? Yeah, they're getting handsy. Getting handsy. All right, that's fair. <laughs> Kids, ask your parents what that means. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Mar and the captain find that the Prometheus also has a hidden hatch under the bed. And mm-hmm. maybe this is the part where the captain brings up that both ships went in for retrofit. Um, but Mm -hmm. we find out that those same pyramid hatches exist on the Prometheus, uh, as well as the Cerebrus. I'm sure I said that right. 
I think they said, I, I know it as Cerberus, but I think they even said it like uh, on the show, like a Carabus or something like that. So I think you're okay with how you pronounced it earlier. Wonderful. I do want to mention though, is when they do go down this edge, I think Mara does go down and kind of like investigate. It's super weird, right? Like it's all like black tile, like very well done black tile all on the bottom. It kind of had like some darkish vibes where they kind of crawl through that tunnel for some of the timey-wimey stuff in dark um, and how like kind of pristine parts of the tunnel were. I thought that was kind of interesting here. Yeah, no, the tile work definitely looks like an L.A. producer that's doing too much cocaine <laughs> had his bathroom redone, and he was just like, I want it black so that I can see the white. And every, and the builder's like, all right, dude, uh, it's going to cost you this. And he's like, I don't care, cocaine. Um, so anything from like a Shane Black movie, I would say this bathroom tile work looks like it could come from that. Mm-hmm. anyways kids if you're still listening ask your parents what cocaine is <laughs> the boy the beetle and daniel i think at this point all run into each other and you think daniel like the impression you get is that daniel is going to hurt the boy but then we find out like they like do the top gun high five and all of a sudden <laughs> we find out they're working together because they're trying to find something yeah, like Daniel goes into the room and then kind of confronts the boy and says, hey, did you find it? And then the boy kind of nods no. Like, I don't know, man. Maybe it's just from watching Dark, but I, I got the sense that these might be the same people. Is yep. the boy Daniel? Yep. Like, further on, is there timey-wimey stuff yep. going on? I think you're okay. I think you're on track here. I had the okay. same thought. Um, you said it first, so I won't take it from you. <laughs> but I think... There is something very similar about the boy and Daniel. And so if they were, you know, two timelines, past, future, whatever it is, I am 100% with you that they are the same person. Mm -hmm. We find out that the three ships from this company were sold to a Henry Singleton. And I have something in here where I have Mara's brother, question mark, which... I don't know if I was drinking at the time or if I thought Henry Singleton <laughs> might have been Mara's brother. Her name is Mara Franklin, so I don't know how that works. But um, well, but so this is a very interesting thing here because Mara's letter is not addressed to Mara, right? Mara's letter is addressed to Henry. That is the name on the envelope. We've we've seen Eric's envelope uh, or. Um, Captain Eric's, his says his name on it. I think we see later, like Lucian, he has his name on on that. So this is a very interesting kind of uh, kind of deal here. And I also think it's very interesting that they talk about three ships uh, being sold to this guy and the idea of three ships creating some kind of, you know, triangle or pyramid potentially out in the sea. Um, so my head is going to like, maybe they're taking these ships and positioning them in the sea as a triangle with his machinery to do who knows what? Wow, Tom. Tom? <laughs> blow your mind? You just blew my mind. <laughs> First off, you're right. Her letter does say Henry. And she refers to her brother. I think she calls her brother Henry. And so mm-hmm. maybe that's why I wrote that. But I never made the connection that her letter doesn't say her name. It says Henry's name. That's incredible. And you're completely <laughs> right. If you take three ships and you stand them on their (laughs) stern and you touch all of their um, fronty point parts, 
they would form a pyramid. <laughs> so I, I think that's what you're saying visually. They would make like a teepee. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm with you there. You just got to figure the, out a the way. The play to... of three, I feel like just it has to have meaning, right? We're seeing triangles everywhere. The idea of him buying three ships, retrofitting these ships. I mean, we see it certainly in like the graphics for the show and the posters of like the sea being opened in a right. triangle and the ship kind of going into it. I love it. Um, it's making me think that yeah, these are triangulating. You are too smart for me, my friend. You <laughs> you did an incredible job. I mean, all I can think about right now is we have the Prometheus, we have the Cerebrus or whatever mm-hmm. it's called. I mean, that third ship is probably named like I don't know, Frank. What is the third ship called? What <laughs> what weird guess, Greek? I'm gonna guess Kratos because I'm playing God of War right now. Oh, Tom, I bet you're <laughs> gonna be right. I bet you're gonna be right. This is also where the captain brings up the installed communication equipment, and that's something that was mentioned in, I think, like episode one, where he's like, listen, only these ships have this communication equipment. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if I can go on, Tom. You've put so much in front of me (laughs) that my small brain was not ready for. And I'm sure everyone listening to us is like, Julian, yeah, we all figured that out. But listen... I'm having a moment here. So audience, Listen, just I, calm down, okay? I didn't get it until like doing the notes. Like I kind of had some thoughts while I was watching the show, but then I'm kind of prepping the notes for it. And Saul Henry, Saul of Three Ships thing, it kind of made me think of it. And I'll give credit to my wife too. I think she even mentioned it too. Like when they said three ships, she specifically called out like, hey, that could be triangle stuff. So Ashley, she gets uh, three internet points. Good job, Ashley. We'll bring you back for some 1899 trivia and we'll, we'll win. <laughs> I'll win, because I always win trivia. Never won trivia. (laughs) Olick and Ling are hanging out. The fog closes in. I believe a love story is developing between those two. I may be wrong. (laughs) I don't know. I love the way the fog kind of comes in and just like engulfs her, right? Because she's kind of at that little opening where they kind of take the boats out, where they went to the Prometheus. But I thought this was also interesting, too, because just like in Captain Larson's opening sequence where he sees his kind of family sitting around like a fire, they're like all frozen in time until either he says something or like the scene then starts to like play out. And it's it's the same thing that happens to uh, Ling Yi when she kind of joins the situation. She sees, I think, that other escort that she takes the role of like just still like kind of deadpan staring forward and it's almost like they hit the play button and then she starts moving and interacting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so this is then the scene where she is there she thinks it's real she is interacting with unfortunately the woman that they dump in the ocean that is the escort that she then takes the place in order to travel to the u.s so and this one's kind of heartbreaking right because she she's like mentioning it as she's talking to this escort person saying like like i don't want to have this conversation again i don't want to be here mm-hmm. and the other person just keep going on with the conversation and doesn't even know kind of what's happening that's Pretty exactly brutal. right crester unfortunately sees his dead younger sister this clearly affects him the crew finds three more bodies, which mm-hmm. is not great for anyone. Certainly not those three bodies. Well, and the three bodies are like, you know, neatly stacked kind of on the deck. In a triangle, assumed... you're right, Tom. They put them, they <laughs> laid them in a triangle, a stacked triangle, we call it. <laughs> I don't think they were in a triangle, but is the assumption is this is Daniel, right? Or something with Daniel or the yes, boy that's Daniel's, kind of causing this? Daniel's just killing people left and right. Him and okay. his beetle. 
but he's doing them he's doing this like on the deck and like leaving them all in the same place right like this isn't the crew bringing the bodies here no 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 okay yeah they they are discovering the bodies as they lay and this is daniel and his beetle we'll call him ringo just (laughs) dropping bodies On the Prometheus, they start going through the furnace and they're looking for like bones and teeth and they end up finding, dun, 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 the passenger list. Thanks, Jimmy. And what? Thanks, Jimmy, for the dun, dun, dun. Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy, you're doing a great job. (laughs) I... This was an interesting idea. Like when they said like looking for the bones and teeth, I thought, oh, like, oh, maybe did they did just burn all the bodies in the furnaces. Right. in the bottom and that could be how they didn't find any bodies like washed up or in the ocean I thought that was a cool idea but kind of more red herring because it was just to find the the logbook yep find that perfectly unburnt book that's correct <laughs> now it was kind of burnt i appreciated this i've had a fire before where anyways it doesn't matter um <laughs> ike realizes that mara's name is in it but he doesn't tell her but mm-hmm. he starts getting real real standoffish, real untalkative. Not that he was before, but mm-hmm. I think we then cut, and this was where Ling Yi just like accepts her place in the world. She's like, bring on the clients. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This got, uh, I felt sad for her. We then cut to Lucian, and we find out that Lucian also has a letter just like the others that are mm-hmm. written to him. Good catch, Tom. Uh, I think we see and then Mrs. Wilson also has a letter, right? So presumably like everyone that was kind of being monitored potentially on those like screens we saw at the end of the episode. Do you think that each one of these people have a letter? That would be a good assumption. Yes, definitely. But you mentioned like the boy and Daniel have it. I wouldn't imagine they'd have a letter. So I don't, I don't know, but everybody we've seen so far that has a letter is being watched. Well, Daniel has a letter. It's just very, very wet. (laughs) <laughs> Touche. Lucian visits Ling. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a, a rough scene, at least to start here when she's kind of doing her dancing. But again, as she's doing her dancing and kind of walking back, what do you see on the back of her kimono? A beetle. And this was kind of a tough one to kind of catch, but it's a big embroidered beetle on the back of her kimono. Oh, so it's not a small moving one. It's an embroidered one. It's embroidered, yes. Mm. Is embroidered the right word? Yeah. Okay. Bold? Bold? It's a bold, bold embroidery. Right Michael's a bold guy. (laughs) Lucian doesn't want any hanky-panky. He just wants to talk. And he wants to talk while he has a seizure. Mm, Twist. Twist. Then we find lots of bodies. And the crew starts to mutiny. The first mate's not really on board with the mutiny. And I don't Mm -hmm. know... If that's because he knows what's going on behind the scenes, I don't really know what his deal is. Maybe he's just a loyal first mate. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think we all deserve first mates like this. Um, it was interesting because he's been the one that almost kind of started the idea. or um, I don't know. Like I think uh, Franz is probably the one that pushed it the hardest for sure. Um, but he made some comments, I think, early on in episode one where he was questioning the captain's judgment. So for him to kind of turn on a dime here, it's interesting. And clearly he knows more than he's he's letting on. Right, right. Now, speaking of first mates and captains, I believe when you got married, your wedding vows, you guys had some <laughs> first mate and captain like uh, wedding vows, right? Is that we didn't? That we correct? should have. 
Although I did have some Game of Thrones references in my wedding vows, so there's that. <laughs> I'm just glad I wasn't there. Um, but you can definitely tell that they're heading to America, right? They've got so many guns on board. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, the first thing anyone does when they arrive is they read that Second Amendment, all right? Uh, uh, Olek tries to run, and he ends up becoming cellmates with Jerome. Mm-hmm. Just put it in sea jail. Sea jail, uh, the brig, or Disney jail, as we like to call it. <laughs> Ramiro and Angel are having a conversation. We find out that not only is Ramiro not a priest, but he killed a priest, which... This is something, right? Like, this is now we're Oh, it's something. That... <laughs> oh, it's certainly something, Tom. Yes. Like, this is the second character we found out is not only on board from somebody, but is also like assuming their identity. So he is taking the, the identity of this priest that he killed and um King Lee is taking the identity of this escort that she, you know, accidentally, you know, poisoned. Killed. So murdered. Yeah. Accidentally <laughs> murdered. Manslaughter, I believe is yeah. the term. Woman slaughter, so I, I guess. I, I gotta ask you this question. So like what we're kind of seeing in these characters is that they're all seemingly kind of being brought to this ship. And and do you like the idea that it almost seems like everybody's kind of destined to be on this ship for one reason or another? Or do you think that's like, you'd want there to be a little bit more, I don't know, like different stories being told with each of these characters. Like it'd be kind of nice. Maybe a character is just on the ship because he's on the ship and not being, you know, drawn to it like a magnet. No, I think that's the show. I, okay. I mean, I, I, I appreciate it. I think what happens, like, with the stuff that you've brought up, which you have been uh, wonderful in discerning this this stuff, because I'll be honest, I don't think I caught most of this, but it makes me think, like, hey, is the captain who he says he is, is, like, was he the cause of his family's death? Is that, mm-hmm. like, part of this? Um, Mara, is she supposed to be here? Was she the cause of someone's death? Are they all, like... Is this a uh, Agatha Christie type, let's get all the murderers in a room so that we can sink their ship type mm-hmm. situation? I don't know. But no, I, I, I like it. And I like the parallels you're making between the characters because, yeah, we have Ramiro that, or Ramiro and Angel, who apparently cared, ca- killed a priest. They took on the identity and now they're on the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ling Yi killed someone, took an identity, and now she's on the ship. So. How many other people died and their identities were taken in order to, uh, I mean, think of all the credit scores that have been ruined. That's the, I mean, identity, identity theft's not a joke, Jim. That's all I have to say. Um, we already talked about it, but the Prometheus passenger list has Mara Franklin on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel and Mara talk while the mutineers run rampant on the ship. Uh, the mutineers take the captain, and Ramiro had gone to go warn him, mm-hmm. and so they get, uh, I don't know, hustled together. Uh, I don't know what the term is when a group of mut- mutineers herds people in one way or another. I'm sure there's a specific term. Shepherd. But what? Shepherd? They got shepherd. Yeah, mutineer, shepherd. Yeah, but it's got to be something a little bit more negative. Um uh... They I mean, they're were, at sea. Maybe they got they got dolphined. Dolphined. That's good. Yeah, they got <laughs> dolphin potted from one place to another, and then this is where we have Daniel using his uh, steampunk poppet 
Um, <laughs> that's all I. When I show, saw this, I was like, "Oh, my kid's got one of those." You just pop the little rubber buttons back and forth and slide it around. I don't yeah, know. It's a little slide like, puzzle. Right. It's yeah. it's fantastic. It's a steampunk slide puzzle. And guess what it does, Tom? I bet you'll oh. never guess what it does. Oh man! I listen. You could have told me a thousand different things that could have happened. Like the ship just disappearing out of nowhere was not going to be one of them, and it was dope. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's very cool. So the <laughs> Cerebrus disappears, not the Prometheus, which mm-hmm. is an interesting M Night Shyamalan twist. But mm-hmm. yeah, so that's where the episode ends, and that episode is going to lead us to episode four, which is called "The Fight," and. Mm-hmm. I, once again, I enjoyed this one. I enjoyed the way they unraveled what happening happened with Ling Yi. I thought that was all very interesting. And then the parallels you've made about characters that have committed murders and taken identities, I think that's very interesting. Um, but I, I like the show. I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where it goes. I can definitely see like this twist maybe putting some people off where it got just too you know, bonkers in terms of like the supernatural elements, but like I'm for it. I I love it. And I do have some like concerns about where they're kind of taking some of this and, and kind of what the characters are doing and maybe relying too much on the flashback stuff, but everything else is just done so well. And I'm, I'm in for the supernatural. So um, yeah, keep bring it on. Keep coming. Wonderful. Well, We are going to end this here. We're going to move on to episode four, The Fight. Uh, If you listen to us and you have questions or comments or you want to tell us exactly what happens in the show, please don't because we have not watched the (laughs) end, but you have the ability to do that as long as you are paying Mr. Netflix, I don't know, $80 a month. I don't know what it's at right now. but um, (laughs) Like a cost of a banana? cost of a banana you've never actually set foot in a supermarket have you you wouldn't give your brother a bluth frozen (laughs) banana anyways you can reach us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com tom give them the other handles which i think are important Yes, follow us on the Instagrams or the Twitters at Team Binge or Team Binge Podcast. You can find us there and, and join us in the adventure. Um, again, don't give us any spoilers beforehand, but please interact with us. Let us know what you're thinking of the show, who your favorite characters are. Um, it's it's always fun when you guys get involved, especially for a, a mysterious show like this. That's uh, very true. It's the holiday season. Doesn't matter when you're listening to this. Uh, Tom and I would encourage you to... Um, do something charitable, uh, do an angel tree, donate to the Red Cross. I don't know what it is, but it feels wonderful when you give. And just like this show is giving us joy, think about all those kids you'll give joy to when you buy them a old steamship ornament (laughs) that has a bunch of dead bodies on it. And don't do that. That would be terrible. But we appreciate you joining us. We'll catch you for episode four. I have been Julian. And I've been Tom. Catch you ringside for the fight. The fight. Incredible. (laughs) Incredible work.